welcome to the Reference Point Podcast. I am your host, Paulo, and today I am joined by my two Cretaceous co-hosts, Matthew and Anthony. That's us. Hey, yeah. how's it going? Prehistoric. Oh, yeah. Today, we're going to be talking about Carnosaur 6, Dominion. What? Yeah, isn't it Carnosaur 6, the great franchise starring uh, Harry Adam Knight? No. What is, who is that? I mean, he's the writer of Carnosaur. You know, it's very Adam, Adam Knight-esque, this whole movie. I'm, I'm not going to lie, I didn't do my research for this episode, so I'm, uh, I'm just going over my head, you know? You're lying to the fans right now. Tell them what we're really going to talk about. We're talking about Jurassic World Dominion. Very Woo! good. Yeah. <laughs> we loved it. I yeah. loved it, actually, <laughs> per- personally speaking. Loved? Yeah, I would say so. Okay, well, I'm happy for you. Very good. <laughs> All right, so um, for all, those who may not know, Jurassic World Dominion is the sixth film in the Jurassic Park inst- uh, series. Yes. It yeah. stars the original trio, along with the new cast of characters with Chris Pratt, Bryce Dallas Howard, and uh, I don't know the uh, the other characters. I- Isabel Sermon is uh, Maisie Lockwood. Yes, there's uh, the one the wise as the Kayla one the wise is Kayla Watts, mm-hmm. and you know, returning we got Alan Grant played by Sam Neill. Oh, we love got Sam Neill. Jeff Goldblum from Thor Ragnarok playing oh. uh, Doctor Ian Malcolm, and Lo- Laura Dern as Bruce Dern's daughter. Uh, you mean Doctor Ellie Sattler? Pretty sure that's what I said. Got to have some respect on that name. Yeah. yeah. And returning as a complete surprise for, not a surprise, but like as a complete treat for fans mm. is Dotson, Ooh. played by Campbell Scott. Yep. From my favorite film, The Amazing Spider-Man 2. <laughs> he survived in the alternate ending. Richard Parker. <laughs> exactly. The plane crash landed him in Italy. That's where he built his facility. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> See, I know Anthony is like holding back a lot of things to say about the original Dotson actor from the first Jurassic Park yes. movie. Yes. Just yeah. Google it. Please. Yeah, there's, there's a, a reason, reason why he got ca- recast. <laughs> there's a reason why he got recast. <laughs> so anyway, so let's start with, you know, our basic thoughts on the movie, non-spoiler. So what did you guys think? Well, uh, based on what we said before. It, 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 it was mid. I, I, I wasn't, look, I didn't hate it as much as everyone else did on the internet, but I didn't love it. Like, I wasn't particularly, like, fond of the movie. I, I expected a little bit more, but also a bit less, if that makes any sense. I thought it was very disappointing, but I'm going to move it over to Paolo, who has yeah. some more positive things to say, I guess. I really liked this movie. Like, Yay. as <laughs> a Jurassic fan, I felt like this was a nice culmination of not only the original themes and ideas of the first movie, but also it gives a more or less satisfying conclusion for the original trio, as well as the new cast of characters. See, so I disagree with basically everything that was said, <laughs> but you know what? Honestly... If you really enjoyed this movie, I'm super happy for you because yeah. the movie has like an A minus cinema score, which is pretty solid. But not bad. Better than Doctor Strange 2. I don't know what the Rotten Tomato score is for it's audiences. It's like 30% or something. No, uh, for audience. Oh, it's like at 80. Okay, yeah. so that's pretty solid. So it seems to me like a lot of people had a lot of fun with this movie. So that, that's great, you know, and, and I never want to discourage anyone from liking something that is getting trashed online. Look, look. The critics I've, with 30% on Rotten Tomatoes and a lot of like very, very harsh scores as well. Um, they're, they're being very, very harsh with the movie. Um, mm. Although I was disappointed, I don't ultimately feel like it, it, the movie's as bad as people are saying it is. A, a lot of people are comparing it to the original and like, oh, it's not as good as the first movie. It's like, at this point, did you really expect it to be? Like, yeah, I, like, I really did like, it. But that's the thing. It's every sequel is always like that. But it's like each sequel, other than Jurassic Park 3, <laughs> each sequel has more or less been able to stand on its own and offer something that really develops the world of like Jurassic. I right. just, I never found, well, just in general, I'm saying for all the sequels, like I don't 
hate hate any of them like i can watch any single one of the films and have a good time and this one i can have a good time i agree you know i feel like this is another jurassic uh park slash world film that um is a sequel to the original that is again just constantly getting bashed by critics yeah Yeah. it seems as though critics other than maybe the first jurassic world which they were very lukewarm on but still a little bit leaning more towards the positive yeah um they've never liked any Jurassic Park sequel. Right. Um, and I think that's very unfair. Because um, yeah, the problem yeah. is they want it to feel like the same way they saw the first movie where that awe-inspiring moments. The thing is with Jurassic, it's just that it was such a lightning-in-a-bottle film yeah. because like it came out at the right time. It used the most cutting-edge technology and it revolutionized sort of cinema. It did all that in one well-packaged film. Right. And it's something you can't really recapture unless you do something absolutely crazy. But even then, can you really revolutionize cinema? Only can if you you're re- George Lucas doing the prequels. <laughs> <laughs> well, even then, you see, that's... And even then, still got that's, shot on. <laughs> that, and it's also 20 years later. St- yeah. 20 but, years. Like, what I like about the prequels and all of the Jurassic sequels is that, well, maybe with the exception of Jurassic World, the first Jurassic World... They're all very different movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, That's what I like the most. That's what I could say. Like, I could praise them because I can yeah. respect when they try something different instead of showing me the same thing I saw before. Yeah. That's why I like Lost World. That's why I like Jurassic Park 3. That's why I like Fallen Kingdom. And, well, I do and, like Jurassic World too. And even then, that still offers something different to what we saw in the first movie because just to, like, really overview, the first movie is really about whether or not we should be bringing these back mm-hmm. and what happens, what kind of floodgates open by doing yeah. this. And then with World, it's sort of showing what the floodgates are, <laughs> hybridizing, militarizing animals. <laughs> um, Dino battlers <laughs> in war. <laughs> but, like, and even just basic animal exploitation <laughs> for the sake of just making money out of them see like look like somebody could uh, many people have complained about those ideas in jurassic world and you know personally i have a lot of issues with the creative decisions made in the second one fallen kingdom Mm -hmm. but they always felt thematically consistent and strong right Mm -hmm. this movie and we're going to get more in depth with the spoiler talk um i feel like there is no theme to this movie it feels almost as if Thematically, it was tacked on at the very end. I uh, disagree completely. If, you know, we'll, I, we'll explore I know that. He, we'll have a little debate. I know what he means when he says that. In that, the movie does feel a little empty at times. And that, first off, I'm gonna say this: the movie's way too long. It's just it was a long movie. There's scenes that just felt like we need to pad out the runtime to make it like since it's the epic conclusion, we have to make it more epic. Mm-hmm. And there's scenes that are like they're they're not bad per se. But they're just adding on to the runtime. It doesn't really add anything to the story. It right. was definitely to the movie's detriment, in my opinion. Exactly. To kind of contextualize what the story of this one is, um, at the end of Fallen Kingdom, yeah. basically, I'm not going to get too in-depth with that movie if you haven't seen that one, but let's just say dinosaurs are loose in the world. Right. And it's not just, you know, the Tyrannosaurus Rex like in Lost World with San Diego. I'm talking like every type of species. Gallimimus. You know? <laughs> in Washington. Yeah. <laughs> So it's like, what a really great premise. And it seems to me like going into this movie, this was the type of film that uh, filmmaker and writer Colin Trevorrow uh, wanted to make this entire time. And feel like, mm-hmm. it always felt like Fallen Kingdom was that, you know, unfortunate middle child that really just existed to kind of get the dinosaurs out into the real world. To, to save the marriage. Stone. You know? Um, and then 
so that that's basically that's basically the the, the plot going into the movie. Dinosaurs are out in the real world. What's ha- gonna happen? Yeah. So I'm not gonna get too in depth with the actual plot, but let me just say that this concept I think was not very well explored at all in the film. They could have um, done a bit more with it, almost. One hundred percent. And I also feel like the marketing of this movie really messed with really a little expectations, perce- expectations and perceptions of what this movie was actually going to be like yeah uh, so that really really disappointed me especially uh, but what really dis- disappointed me disappointed me the most um i would say is the scattershot plot um i felt like you know the, the for me the first third of this movie uh was actually very very consistent yeah. and although it was building to a story that i didn't necessarily want for a third and final jurassic world film in the franchise Um, it felt like it was focused, you know what I mean? Uh, And I felt like the first third is extremely strong, particularly there's a really, really great um, chase scene through Malta in yeah. Italy awesome. uh, involving uh, velociraptors. Uh, they're actually atrociraptors. Okay. They're, re- they're actually a recent uh, genus that was found maybe a couple years ago, actually. That's pretty cool. Do those have feathers? <laughs> they're, they're supposed to, but, but <laughs> if you notice on the designs, they have the quill part. Mm. Peter but it Quill. looks like it's missing. Well, it's starring Peter Quill. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but it's missing. So it's yeah. almost like if those genes were specifically turned off. Mm. That's cool. So, Because so, they had that detail where it's like they could have had feathers, but something was messed around with their genetics. Dr. Henry Wu, what'd you do? Yeah, I think uh, I think Paolo's looking way uh, way too into this. I think uh, <laughs> I think he's smarter than the filmmaker. <laughs> no, 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 trust me. Uh, Colin Trevorrow, I trust those decisions. I believe he actually did it because he has been very connected with the fandom in knowing what exactly to do what and what not to do. And he showed a really good understanding of what Jurassic Park was especially in the genetic engineering department. Paulo has his phone number. That's what he's trying to say. You know what? God, I Honestly, wish. <laughs> I wish. You know what? Let's mention Colin Trevorrow because you know what? I, I think Paulo, uh, if, if by chance Colin Trevorrow is watching this. Um, you should have made episode nine. JJ, mm-hmm. he botched it. He should have made Agreed. episode nine. You're right. Um, but let's, let's take a moment to actually acknowledge how Colin Trevorrow is actually, I think, a very, very solid filmmaker mm-hmm. and gets way too much flack online for no reason. Yeah, he's like... Zack Snyder, Ryan Johnson. No, no, in the the sense that they get this extreme, almost exaggerated amount of hate. 100%. And I believe genuinely he's delivered very good films. Take the moment to show your appreciation for this filmmaker because although, yes, I think he made a, he directed a film that ultimately disappointed me. I think a lot of that came down to the script and not the directing per se. (laughs) Which he wrote. (laughs) Which he wrote, yeah. No, but here's the thing. I think it was down to the editing and what he trimmed because mm. there's because there's stuff I know about that was that was supposed to be in the movie, right? And would have fleshed getting out. getting his head cut off, or no, no, <laughs> oh, my bad. But um, <laughs> that was supposed to flesh out a lot more parts, but instead were cut out, and then we had some other scenes that were just padding out the runtime. Like I me- said, it's long. <laughs> Do you want to mention some of them? Maybe in the spoiler uh, section. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna mention them specifically right, cool. in the spoiler section. But honestly, I would say though, Colin Trevorrow, I feel like is a director that has a lot of heart, and he does genuinely care about what the fans think, and it's not in that sort of Star Wars way where it's like. Oh, yeah, clap if you see this specific character or this specific thing. Max Rebo, Glubshiro. There it is. Blarko. <laughs> he does okay, fundamentally it. understand what Jurassic was. And it was a, it was built on this foundation of genetic engineering going wrong. The exploitation of science by mega corporations. And that with these progressions going unchecked, 
they're going to eventually lead to the detriment of us. And it's something that Crichton really, really hammered home in the first novel with the intro and even just Hammond, uh, not Hammond, sorry, Malcolm's expositions throughout the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Michael Crichton, uh, for those who are listening who, or watching who don't know, uh, Michael Crichton basically wrote the, the books. Uh, the the books, and he books. wrote a variety of other... Um, right, which actually... Techno thrillers is actually the perfect thing to describe because it's not yeah. exactly sci-fi, mm-hmm. but it's it's kind of like sci-fi that's grounded in our world where it's like he takes one little element that's impossible and just makes it possible but everything else is explained fairly well like Like, flying well no like the dinosaur dna stuff it's impossible (laughs) to get dinosaur dna because of how old it is so instead with jurassic park he made that possible and then used 80s technology to explain it with Mm. like gene sequencing look scanning through the dna strand with with, uh (laughs) with a computer filling in the sequence gaps and whatnot but i think we're uh, going a little too deep into this and maybe we should balls deep. move on yeah yeah <laughs> but I, well, actually but speaking of colin trevorrow though um another way that you can tell that he's a huge fan of the franchise is by the way he um draws from michael Crichton's novels exactly in yeah. other ways so we'll definitely uh, allude to that uh, and later even on. Yeah. just how he builds up the first from the first movie from the second movie from the third he doesn't yeah ignore those films he actually like look i don't want to crap on jj abrams so much but like <laughs> he, JJ, he, he effectively ignored the prequels with seven and nine the only the most he did was like oh look there's a blurry battle droid right in the corner that's 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 your prequel representation meanwhile trevorrow was not afraid to really let those lost world and jurassic park 3 sort of ideas and imagery and like storylines really filter through in subtle ways or maybe not as subtle ways for some fans throughout this series Mm -hmm. which is something i could genuinely appreciate yeah yeah okay so uh i think uh, i love you colin trevorrow please (laughs) come on the show (laughs) like honestly top five favorite directors uh, I really, I, I, you know, Anthony and I, and I guess Paolo too, really strongly believe that it should have been you directing Nine, Duel of the Fates, Star Wars Episode Nine, the original. And honestly, uh, I look forward screenplay. to the Atlantis movie he's working on. Oh, and like, um, like a live action, like what kind of Atlantis? It's like, like a, I'm not sure what the exact details are, but First it's. I heard of it. It's. Um, I guess it's like sort of a modern sort of retelling of like the discovery of Atlantis. It's, it's not Tom another. But it's not. It's not like what the Disney animated. Okay, movie. I was just. I was, I'm like, it's not another live action Disney remake. No, it's it's it looks Tom like Holland to be a more original. That I have no idea. Okay. Uh, and it's a more original <laughs> idea. I don't know what the uh, other film is. He's working on another film too. Book if, of Henry too. If Tom Holland isn't <laughs> in it, then it doesn't matter. Well, uh, look, honestly, I look forward to his career eventually develop into an all time great. Let's hope. Let's hope so. So I guess spoilers. Yeah. Spoiler. So I guess we have to get this out of the way. This spoilers. Movie, Spoilers. Spoilers. spoilers 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 we're warning you drastic size spoilers and five four three to one so the thing no one died <laughs> well no it's a lot Thank of no God. names but i mean campbell scott died or no <laughs> no <laughs> you know what you 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 say that but it was very reminiscent of nedry's death in the novel they just yes. amped it up by well, having two well, that officers well, even in the movie you know no, no, because in the, no, because in the in the book he literally gets like <laughs> machine gunned by like two, three blasts of uh, of like spit, but it's actually spit instead of the venom. Yeah. Please clarify what kind of spit that is. <laughs> no, like actual spit in the novel. Like there's the it's liquidy, it's foamy. Like human saliva or dinosaur spit. Well, clarify. It's like it's obviously like dinosaur saliva. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Just they were looping sure. him up. <laughs> 
You gotta understand those dinosaurs are freaky. Honestly, genetic freaks and freaks in the sheets. Oh. We, I mean, they were all mating throughout the first movie, so I mean, they could change sex at will, I guess, too, that's right? Pr- that's pretty sick. Yeah. But, but uh, okay, so I think this is something we have to address right away because sure. this is probably going to be the majority of the review. But uh, the film, is partial; its plot is partially shared by this locust subplot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, I, look, I hate bugs in general, so just like don't, yeah. even, don't even ask my opinion Speaking on that. Speaking of freaky, those freak you out. I think yeah, Anthony's yeah, really afraid of bugs. Disgusting and like, the, the locust plot for me was fairly compelling for me yeah. sure. because I personally believe not only a huge sort of step into what Michael Crichton has always sort of foreshadowed in mm-hmm. his novel, mm-hmm. but also it is a genuine payoff to the ending of Fallen Kingdom 2. Fallen Kingdom 2? I only saw the first Fallen Kingdom. <laughs> <laughs> so with, with Fallen Kingdom, you have Malcolm at the end. He's talking and he's saying how, you know, genetic power has been unleashed onto the world. We don't know the effects of this and what's going to happen next. And he's And he mentions how... That genetic power is not going to stop with the de-extinction of the dinosaurs. It's going to escalate and it's going to eventually lead to our downfall. And it's not because the dinosaurs are going to basically wipe out humanity, but rather humanity is going to wipe out humanity by misusing this power. Sure. And so now you have this locust plot. The locust plot is essentially like Biosyn Great has... Yeah, that's no, a really cool name. <laughs> it's actually genetic Biosyn in the novel. Yeah. Yeah. It's- so what Biosyn has done is that they've created these seeds for crops that would, you know, allow them to grow better. Like, you know, your standard GMO stuff. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, they covertly introduced this locust that will target only crops that have not been made by Biosyn. Damn rich people. So it's go- what it's going to do is that it's going to effectively destroy thousands upon thousands of crops and force people to buy Biosyn seed. And make Richard Parker rich. It's getting rapidly out of control. And so this is where the whole sort of plot of the movie kicks off with Dr. Sattler kind of investigating this and trying to implicate Biosyn into showing that they're the ones behind this and that they need to be stopped. This sounds almost like a real life conspiracy. Uh, you, Actually, you know oh, what's you know funny? we watched the movie, right? Do you don't have to <laughs> recap no, it to us? I know, I'm, I'm recapping <laughs> yeah. it for the audience because like, I'm explaining. I know, I know. I'm, I'm just, explaining. I'm just messing wh- with you. I know. I'm just explaining why I like it so much. Yeah. And um, actually, no, it's funny. What's funny, Paul? What is funny? A few days after the release of the film, doesn't the Wall Street Journal put out an article talking about why GMO crops or crops made from like these mega corporations could be a good thing for the future? Nice. I didn't see that actually. <laughs> it's, all, it's all connected. I'm like Charlie Day, and <laughs> it's always sunny. Happy Sylvia. That's exactly what I was going to say. I knew it. <laughs> But you see how it's like already the movie barely came out and it's already relevant. And I think that's something that's really cool because that's something that's also what Crichton did with the first movie. Genetic power is like something that although it wasn't big in the early 90s, later on we had cloning that sort of became a a topical issue with Dolly the sheep, if you remember that from like elementary school science. I mean, didn't they want to clone a mammoth at a point? I'm they're, not really, they're doing I'm not that. Really a they want to. So. They want to do that now in order to help with global warming. I don't know how that works, but that, right now that's being worked on. And you I see hope, how all this is. I really hope it's the one from Ice Age that they clone. Look, I, I <laughs> sound like Ray Romano. <laughs> exactly. The only. Um, great cloning effort that has ever been produced I in this God, world. Talk about Attack of the Clones. Is Tamora Morrison <laughs> in Attack of the Clones. Like a bantha. You know, just before we get a little more off topic again, what do you guys think of the locust plot? Like, because for me, I'm going at it with a more like super fan, like 
right. well, this is exactly what Crichton wanted. And I don't know if maybe that translates well for other fans or I, like how that works. Like, I want to put that out there. Look, um, so, everyone knows uh, me reading. Reading's overrated. We don't read in this in this room. So we like comic books. It's all pictures. <laughs> <Only> comics. <laughs> well, we I don't know, even read the words. Well, we know Paolo can't read from our, uh, what was it, our Moon Knight episode? <laughs> <laughs> Throwback. Don't Throwback. worry. Back. He does uh, audio books. That's why. That's ah, what, okay. that's exactly. They but, have sound effects. <laughs> <laughs> but point being, I wasn't, I'm going to be honest, I wasn't the biggest fan of the, the Locust. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a bit, it was a bit much, you know. I just, I wanted, I don't want to be this guy, but I'm going to be this guy. I didn't want more dinosaurs more than uh, prehistoric bugs. Right. Like, it doesn't mean, it's not as interesting I mean, it's, it's understandable. Uh, I'm just, I don't want to like, I don't want to sound too negative, but I'm just saying it's like, to me, it's not as interesting, interesting as at dinosaurs all. roaming the earth. Yeah. And it really is just, I wish it, they, it didn't really have even like the way the storyline wrapped up. It didn't really feel anything like epic or yeah. just no wow factor for it. Yeah. It was pretty simple, straightforward. And I don't know. I just, I expected a bit more. You know? Like, you know, for me, um, I think conceptually it's interesting. Mm-hmm. I think conceptually um, it's nice how, like you were saying, uh, it could really tie into the first cr- movie. Feel, yeah. Yes, but the, also the feel Crichton esque. You yeah. know, I dig that. I just wish it was, you know, conveyed in a more uh, compelling manner. I don't think the way it was presented, uh, especially with the movie trying to balance these two different plots sur- surrounding the two different generations of, uh, of cast members. So, you mm-hmm. know, with the Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard and then, you know, Sam Neill and Laura Dern mm-hmm. and, 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 you know. So um, I don't feel like the movie balancing those two plots felt like it, it, it really meshed well, in my opinion. And the way it does end up converging together um, was very, very lackluster, in my opinion. Yeah. And, you know, the movie starts, and like I said before, um, with in the first third with basically the a, a plot to to find what's her name again Cass Cass Macy, Macy Lockwood Macy Lockwood uh, <laughs> a kidnapped Macy Lockwood and again while I didn't think it was crazy compelling in part because well um, we start the movie off and she's already very very uh, resentful uh, your dad is Chris Pratt how could you be mad at him I mean she's <laughs> also like a fourteen year old yes, angsty no, I, teenager I totally buy the fact that you know she would be an angsty teenager it's just that she we never clone, you know yeah, she's also there's also that there's literally that added factor of like am i even a person yeah no so i thought to- i told understand it's crisis. just that we've never actually got to see them bond in a really beautiful and meaningful way for enough for me to care about their relationship like a marvel movie it's all off screen yeah, basically you know like, yeah so it's like uh, we start off already in a very negative space where it's like should i even care about these characters but still the movie felt focused enough um on this plot where we're gonna go find her right after getting kidnapped and i also felt like the first act of the film was profiting the most on the idea that dinosaurs are are loose in the world and how uh how do they uh kind of mesh with our everyday lives you get some really really great stuff with blue dinosaurs they they live among us it's like it's really cool yeah <laughs> you had to sneak that yeah. in. You had to sneak in and among us. I really did. That's actually a line in the movie, and Anthony like audibly like burst My it out. My humor is so broken that when they said "among us" out loud in the theater, I laughed. Yeah, yeah I snorted because like I, I'm I'm just fractured. You started what cocaine? No, just <laughs> like uh, a pig snort, like. Oh, okay. you know, like Dennis Nedry. Would. No, I don't know actually. <laughs> anyway, uh, so um, yeah, I just felt like it was profiting on that the most. So like we had a really really great uh, interaction, a couple interactions with Blue. You know, and uh, and Beta, and, and Beta uh, Blue's so uh, cute, <laughs> identical uh, <laughs> little baby rap cloned child, uh, self-produced cloned child. I don't even. It's because uh, yeah. the film anyway. explains how 
Yeah. Uh, Blue had um, monitor lizard genes introduced into her. And so what they what monitor lizards can do is actually this feat called um, parthenogenesis, where it allows a female to reproduce without the need of a male. That's sick. so it's almost a an exact genetic copy. And it's actually something that's um, it's been hinted at throughout, like, you know, the, the first movie, second movie, like around the, the material around it. Sure. As well as it was a central sort of plot point for one of the video games, like a VR game that came out. And it, it's just interesting how it all kind of ties into basically Dominion. Right. Did Telltale make that game? No, no. It was actually a like an Oculus Quest game. Cool. Uh, even the way they followed up <laughs> on the whole cloning plot from Fallen Kingdom and the way Macy kind of ties into that. Uh, I don't know. I, I kind of liked it because it's it introduced this new sort of character, like that, this the mysterious character. We didn't have enough new characters in this movie. Well, I mean, she was very <laughs> much just, one more. She was literally just on a screen most of yeah. the time. And she helped flesh out sort of the world in a sense that Henry Wu wasn't the only sort of geneticist on the team and that there was this other one. And I have a theory of why... A film theory! <laughs> no, please. Cut his mic! <laughs> of how it all ties together. Like, I, I'm, I don't know if I'm going to explain that yet, but... Anyway, you know. back to cool dinosaurs <laughs> doing cool things. Um. So, you know, at the beginning, we have several, like, sort of scenes of... Uh, the dinosaurs in the world we have the sort of to sweep it under the rug but the way they explain it is that the way they've been managing the dinosaurs so far is that there's this department uh called the department of fish and wildlife which is a real thing in the u.s they go around the country with dinosaur spottings and they basically capture them then either bring them to their compound to take care of them and look after them it's sort of like an spca type deal can i adopt a dinosaur No, it's actually uh, not allowed. Just a little triceratops. No, that thing's going to get massive. It's going to be bigger than this room. Yeah. Nah. Yeah, it's, it's fucking huge. Damn. And, um, oh, or <laughs> now i got to bleep that out <laughs> for our YouTube version. Or they get transported to the Biosyn Sanctuary in the Dolomite Mountains in Italy. And in Italy, they get basically not experimented on per se, but like they're they're studied in order to develop pharmaceutical products and then like effectively create medicines for people, no. which is an interesting idea of, in of its own, in all honesty. Like, because it's biosyn, something that... I just want to say this about Biosyn. I was a little disappointed that we kind of just focused like the whole second and third act on that storyline. Yes, exactly. Like biosyn where it's like... Look, it's, we have a dinosaur sanctuary and whatnot, and uh, we're doing nothing bad, I swear. Just don't look at our files or anything. Well, because look, for myself, like like I was mentioning before, the, the main theme that struck to me, and I could be mistaken, but I genuinely feel like that was the message that they were trying to convey, is the idea of coexistence. Man and dinosaurs need to coexist together. Don't forget mm-hmm. women. Mankind, womankind. <laughs> People kind. Insert that uh, that line from Dark Phoenix. Where, yeah. uh, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> anyway, but, uh, you know, to see the idea of coexistence. Mm-hmm. But the problem for me is that when you only have the first act of the movie truly address that scene. And the final scene. <laughs> it gets yeah. completely lost in the second and third act. And by the way, speaking of the second act of this film, Anthony was mentioning how this movie feels way too long. This movie is an absolute drag of an experience for me in the theater about halfway through the movie i really started feeling its length and i was 
digging some of the ideas and some of the introductory ways that they were bringing in Alan Grant and uh, and um, and uh, and El- uh, Doctor Sattler. Doctor Sattler, yes. Even when they brought back Omar C from the first movie. Yeah, I was going to mention that too. Character's name I can't remember. Barry. Gary Barry. 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 Yeah, Barry Berkman HBO show. But point is, when they brought him back, I liked seeing him again. I liked that actor Omar C. Yeah, it made me really smile. Maybe happy. Yeah. Like, nice. Well, he's a very good actor because he wasn't in the second one, and you know, I kind of missed him. Now you bring him back here, I was like, oh, nice. And again, really. Like his sequence with the Velociraptors. Uh, the sorry, what are they called again? Atrociraptors. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, I, I, that part of the movie, like I was genuinely feeling like legitimate thrills. I was on the edge of my seat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I found it to be a very, very um, awesome well action sequence. Too, Extremely well directed. About it was yeah. Fun. You know. What? Really fun. You know that's actually kind of interesting because if you, if you kind of think about it, the plot with the Jurassic World characters is more action oriented. Yes. More like up in your face, edge of your seat, where it's like, which is kind of a way to describe Jurassic World and Fallen Kingdom while the plot with the original trio is a lot more slow burn yeah. and more like in the sort of scientific realm which is kind of what first and second movie but were totally, you're but trying to tell me that Sam Neill can't do big stunts at his age I don't know <laughs> I disagree with that but just balancing those two plot threads it's like you're separating the two um, uh, generational uh, cast members mm-hmm. Uh, for so long in the movie. Like, guys, it takes way too long for these two plot threads to converge. And when it does, it happens out of pure coincidence. (laughs) Like, they're in a a Jeep or a... I don't remember. It's a Jeep, right? Yeah, and then it just falls down a hill... And then, oh, then the Jurassic World <laughs> cast is there and they just spot them. And it's like, that's all it is. And like Jeff Goldblum says, the cast of Jurassic World, what are you doing yeah. here? And my, a friend of mine uh, pointed out like, yeah, there's no airbags going <laughs> off in the Jeep. That's like a little nitpick. I mean, thing. come I on. Thought, I it's there was. Was. was there? I don't know. I I say, it's Biosyn. They're probably cutting corners. Yeah, probably. <laughs> But um, Richard Parker can keep that that extra five bucks in his pocket. I know he will. <laughs> but you know, it's like yeah, just the way they met up was just so underwhelming. Like we've been building and building and building to this. Speaking of underwhelming, the third act of this movie is kind of an atrocity, in my opinion. <laughs> no, he said it's called the Atrociraptor. <laughs> oh, yeah, not the. End, uh, I was like forming that joke <laughs> in my head. <laughs> you were, like the gears were turning, and then you just flat out said it. Not the Indoraptor from the second movie. Uh, yeah. But anyway, like, look, maybe this is a good place to mention um, some of the cutscenes. Yeah, kind of like, or like even uh, the one we saw that could contextualize that very, very meh dino on dino action, dino on dino on dino action yeah. uh, in that third act. Right. So maybe okay, so talk about that a bit. Yeah. So the film kind of sort of has this plot going on with the Rex that there's this power struggle between two apex predators. Mm. So it's the Rex and the Giganotosaurus. The what? The Giganotosaurus or Gigantosaurus. Oh, okay. I'm pronouncing it in the... uh, What the hell is a gigawatt? So you're telling me he's big. Yeah, he's... The largest land carnivore ever the world has ever seen. Didn't that's really exact- look that big. No, it's that's it's exactly what he said in it's the actually, movie. That's ac- it's actually tall. Uh, well, according to the lore of the mm. movie, it's taller and heavier than the T Rex. I didn't read the manga. I know because in real life, actually, the T the T Rex is actually the heaviest uh, uh, carnivore, which is why it's considered the biggest. That's skills mm. back then. Yeah. Cool. They literally mentioned. <laughs> I don't know how they do it, but basically, they've been able to determine this. That's what we'll see. 
And uh, that's why they say it's the biggest rather than the tallest or the longest. Sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because it's based on pure mass. He's that thick boy. <laughs> Basically. Thick. And so throughout the movie, well, no, what was planned for throughout the movie was that there would be these encounters where the, the Giga would essentially kind of best the Rex. In one scene, we saw that the Giga had basically scared the Rex away to get a, a dead goat or dead deer. Yeah. I don't remember. The and then, fetched soup. And then it comes down to the ending where the two fight. And as Grant states, it's not about us. Like, it was more of like a vendetta fight. Which, which makes it so uncompelling, you know? 100%. Because the, the idea is that originally there was a prologue scene that took place in the Cretaceous and showed this sort of sort of natural rivalry that and, existed. And they put that online for if anyone yeah, hasn't and it, seen it. Yeah, so. and it was also uh, the beginning. It was at IMAX screenings for which film? For Fast and Furious. The last uh, one, whatever number they're at. Point is, yeah, so uh, that leaked uh, online as well. Originally, I first saw the leaked version because I definitely did not want to go watch Fast and Furious. <laughs> yeah. But um, that I was mean, a really, really I, I great was one of the. I was one of the... The suckers that went, but then I left immediately. <laughs> Did you actually pay to see it? Yeah, but I got my money back. <laughs> so, wait a minute. So, you went to, to Cineplex or Guzo? Cinema Guzo? Yeah, uh, Cineplex and Laval. Cineplex and Laval, these poor bastards. Mm-hmm. You went there, and then you're like, I'm going to take one ticket for Fast and Furious, please. Mm-hmm. And then you immediately left after watching the prologue, and you were like, yeah, guys, uh, you know what? I'm not really feeling this. <laughs> no, literally, though. <laughs> and they were like, no problem. Wow. I mean, I hope you were wearing a Jurassic shirt. They would have seen no, it. No, <laughs> I actually made sure to look completely incognito. MCU disguise, cap and the sunglasses. Yeah, yeah. Nice. yeah. Anyway, what were we talking about? But uh, basically, <laughs> uh, the, prologue, yeah. the, prologue, big, big boys hitting. the prologue essentially set up this sort of natural rivalry between like basically like an almost David and Goliath type it's, deal. It's literally right. like that prologue is cool because it's like a nature documentary, basically. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like for yeah. You see pre- prehistoric planet. It's basically like that with no narration or anything. That, and less uh, scientifically accurate. But uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm, I don't know about the science history. Yeah. What, yeah, but what about the Kenneth Branagh narrated? Uh, oh, the walking with dinosaurs. Walking with dinosaurs. That Throw is back brilliant. To our other, uh, our other video. But uh, essentially, that was sort of the setup. And I believe there was another scene in the movie that was supposed to hint at this sort of Giga Rex po- uh, power dynamic. Okay. And it was going to build this sort of arc where like the Rex was the loser, <laughs> but then it eventually kind of. <laughs> Beat the uh, the Giga. <laughs> the Rex is a loser. Why did Ryan Gosling play him? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, but here's the thing, right? Yeah, but it, it, they they cut most None of, of it out. None of it's there. None of it's None there. Of it's there. And I swear to God, I swear to God, when we're in the third act of the movie, and I'm like, well, I guess this is the third act of the movie because the whole thing kind of feels like the second act just blended together yeah. in a very very uncompelling way. It's like we get to the third act. I'm like. Don't tell me we're going to get another T-Rex freaking fight against another Apex Predator. Right. It's like we got this in Jurassic Park 3 and Jurassic World. And I think genuinely both of those movies did it in way better ways. I know a lot of people have problems with Jurassic Park 3. They get very upset that the Spinosaurus ends up taking out the T-Rex. But I think that was actually really, really great. Number one, it it serves the plot, basically. It 100% serves the plot because the whole damn movie, they're being chased after the Spinosaurus. And by having the Spinosaurus kill everyone's favorite dinosaur the tyrannosaurus rex you're basically establishing it as a as a crazy threat mm-hmm. same thing with the indominus rex right yeah throughout that entire movie i love that dinosaur because it's, a yeah the way it's set up it's built up to be this yeah. like thing like nobody knows what it's capable of like and that's what makes it not only dangerous but like a genuine threat because yeah. like like obviously oh it's such a big creature it's gonna like eat people it's gonna kill things 
But because we don't know what it's capable of, unlike a Rex, unlike a Spinosaurus, whatever, it adds this a- extra layer of tension and yeah, danger. It's genuinely there, terrifying. There's like a yeah. mystery behind it. And when at the end, the f- it builds up to this big fight. Yeah. And the fight pays off super well. And that, hey, look, it's the guy you know and love. The it's, Glub Sh- it's Glub Shittle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's Glub Shittle Rex shows up. And he beats Glup him. Rexo. <laughs> yeah. He beats him and you're like, and it's also, it's an awesome scene. With help from Blue. I mean, what was he really doing? He just the, did that initial distraction and then he was just like pecking at him. Remember that raptor that got cooked? I was just oh going to say, I love the one who gets cooked, the one that gets blown up with the RPG. I, so I think that one's Echo. I think that one's Echo For, that gets uh, cooked. Rip, rip Echo, man. Hashtag he, Rip Echo. He, he got ripped. Are you talking about the clone from the Clone Wars? Yeah, even the Rip Because he's too. back. <laughs> he's alive. I didn't watch Bad Batch. Point is, but that fight is so good and it's great. Like, I love it. Like, yeah. rewatching it uh, a couple nights before the movie. Mm-hmm. And I'm, you're just having a great time watching this fight. Then you get to Dominion it's, and it's the same thing, but worse. You it, know? Like, it pays <laughs> off basically a story that was half told. That doesn't for me. exist. I would say half told because we do get that scene where it's like we show the Rex and then they do say in the movie it's two apex predators going at it. But, but even, like, at, it, it, even at that, it has nothing to do with the protagonist's. Arcs, which it, if they even are arcs to begin with, I mean storylines. Indominus nothing. was really just serving Claire's plot, but it's still a plot. Well, it's still I listen. I loved Claire in the first film. I think she has a genuinely great arc. Poor Bryce Dallas Howard got, needing to run in those heels. Like hmm. it's always very impressive. Hey, to but me. she did it. She did it, man. She <laughs> yeah, did it. That, that was real. She did I'll that. I'll honestly cool. never understand that because she did it. What's the problem? Yeah, a lot of people complain online about her running in the heels, but it's like, it's dude, like the well, actress I, is clearly doing it. Like, like show some she, respect. How is she outrunning a T Rex? It's literally such a cramped space. How is it going to maneuver in time to like turn and then run? It's so cramped. Anyway, uh, but I just those Jurassic Park three and uh, Jurassic World were always in service of the plot and the characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like even also in Jurassic World 2, don't forget thematic, well not thematically, but it's more of kind of like a motif hinted throughout the entire movie. The idea of more teeth, more teeth, more teeth. <laughs> yeah. And then you yeah, get motif. that really, really great <laughs> motif. The and motif then, is more teeth. <laughs> <laughs> You're losing me. <laughs> I th- we, we lose Anthony the second we start filming. It's over. <laughs> it's like when we start using big words and long sentences. Yeah, kind of like you with reading. Like, you so, know, exactly. What are we reviewing again? <laughs> I don't know. See, Carnosaur 6. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, um, Diane Ladd. So, the, like, even that, like, it's, it's a really cool uh, moment when it's like, wait a minute, Eureka moment, more teeth, you know? Yeah. And then they get the T Rex. And it's just such a, it, yeah, it's a fan service moment, but. It genuinely it ups the stakes and it makes the third act of the movie feel like the third act. Like it's been yeah. building to this. Yeah. It's the payoff for this thing. Where it's yes. like it's basically the monster versus the natural thing. It's like the whole life finds a way thing. It's the natural correcting the unnatural. It's the tagline of the poster. Cor- natural correcting uh, No, unnatural. life finds a way. <laughs> but Dominion, it's like, man, I was anyway, I was extremely underwhelmed I with was, that third act. Um yeah. that fight had Two genuinely cool moments, one of which was a payoff to the prologue. With the <laughs> which wasn't in, in the movie. <laughs> yeah, which was the zoom into the eye. When I saw that, I was genuinely like, Look, oh my God, that is sick. We had watched the prologue, the prologue the night before and I had already forgotten. <laughs> so when you reminded me, like, oh, that is cool, but I kind of forgot in the movie. <laughs> and I like that sort of initial sort of, it's not about us and they sort of go at it. Oh, and then you have the little like logo um, recreation for that split second. Yeah. Uh, yeah, for that's the IMAX poster. Yeah, yeah. For those who don't know, uh, basically at Biosyn, there's like this like so very, very convenient like circular 
decoration. <laughs> waterfall decoration thing. And uh, you know it only exists so that the T-Rex could walk yeah. in front of it and recreate the poster. It's not overt enough where it's like really draws away the attention. It, it wasn't like it paused in front, winked, and then continued walking. Yeah, yeah it literally just walked by. Yeah, yeah. It was a cool like little like, aha moment, you know, yeah. anyway. Aha. And I think that's the whole... To just sum up, I think that plot was meant to give the Rex a sort of arc, and it's something that just didn't work out. It didn't happen. It, it like they basically gave him an arc, then they decided we're not gonna give him an arc because you know he's also not in the movie that much. So uh, let's so they cut just it cut it. But why should a dinosaur have an arc? It's more about <laughs> it's 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 kind of like a more of a fan service thing. More yeah, than but anything. like here's the thing. For it, me, it's not like an arc in the sense of like it's changing as a character. It's for the fans, really, more than anything. Which, look, I don't know if I agree with it per se, but I feel like it's at least something that's appreciative because they at least portrayed it in a more naturalistic way than straight up movie monster. Yeah, but you know what? Like, let, let's talk about the human characters. Okay, let's, yeah, let's go, let's go going a little bit too yeah. off. Deep cut inside baseball. <laughs> Paolo, you know, throughout the movie and after the movie was gushing about what how, how much he loved what they did with the original cast. Right. I found it to be like very underwhelming. You're getting them back and there's this whole like, oh, will they, won't they kind of uh, <laughs> dynamic going on with um, Alan Grant and uh, that, Dr. Sadler. That, right? that, that, the Twitter account spoiled the night after the movie but came out. That's, say, that to me was a given. I was going in yeah. fully expecting that because, you know, she's it's, divorced now. <laughs> <laughs> she divorced poor Mark. Mark Degler. Poor Mark Degler, you know? So Alan I was, made a cuckold of him. I was going I, I was going in fully expecting that. But the thing is, the way they end up finally kissing, the way they have that little epilogue at the end where they're going to a court hearing, I don't remember exactly what mm-hmm. it was. I just found it to be nothing. Like this whole third act amounted on. to Ooh. nothing out of the original cast. Although, again, I think they all played their parts very, very well. And I think all the acting across the board was very solid. I don't think mm-hmm. there was um, any cast members who like kind of dropped the ball. I do feel like, though, unfortunately, um, Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard's characters still ultimately ended up feeling like they could have been played by anybody, which isn't really a good thing. Whereas there was this sort of magic surrounding the original cast, particularly Jeff Goldblum. Oh, Jeff Goldblum, in many ways for me, while I was watching the second and third half of the movie, uh, because, you know, during the first half, I, I literally turned to Paolo and Anthony. I'm like, guys, like this movie is like really solid. Like, I'm yeah. really enjoying this. And I agreed with him. Yeah. But um, then it lost me. yeah, and then, it all, and then it lost me. But throughout the second and third uh, acts of the film, Jeff Goldblum would say some stuff that was just so wacky and so out there and so Goldblum. I could not help but just fall in love with this character he's over and so over again. He's so good in the movie. He's so funny. He saves oh. the movie in many ways, like genuinely. Like if I were to re- like revisiting this movie is going to feel like a chore for me, genuinely. But I think in the second and third act, Goldblum is really going to keep me going. Goldblum and Campbell Scott. <laughs> God bless Campbell Scott. Campbell so Scott, good. okay, as this Paolo, maybe you want to describe Campbell Scott? He's like, very much this eccentric Bill Gates, like, type, like Elon tycoon, Musk. Elon like, Musk type, you know. Where he's not very, Jesse Eisenberg and Batman v Superman. <laughs> he's very weird, but he has that dark side. Mm-hmm. Yes. It just, like, I look, I think Campbell Scott's an incredible actor, especially in that Amazing Spider-Man 2 uh, deleted alternate ending. Uh, please go watch that on YouTube. All the good scenes get deleted. You know? Who'd you know? Um, <laughs> and they happen to be two Campbell Scott movies. <laughs> Who are you? Who are you? Anyway. Um, I think he's incredible at writing this fine line between like someone I should take seriously, but also should not take seriously. He's 
he has like and I and I think it's all intentional. I want to give him the benefit of the yeah. doubt. I think it's all intentional, but he has some moments that are so wacky and ridiculously stupid. I, like it was comedic gold for me. No, but like he's cartoony but in a good way. In a good way. Not I like I just a, like what was that thing I watched the other day that was super cartoony and it was terrible, but I don't know. You think, I don't think, know, think you of a Disney me. Plus show. We'll say that for another time. Oh. But, <laughs> yeah, they'll know. But I mean, him, they won't. <laughs> Campbell Scott in the movie was just cartoony, but it just worked for me. Yeah, it like, really it worked, worked for me a lot. <laughs> I love that. Like I mentioned it before as a throwaway line, but um, right before his death, when the power goes out in the uh, in the little <laughs> town, he's just like, so everything goes quiet, and you just hear, oh no. No, he just goes, no. <laughs> no, isn't it? Oh no. Okay, no, whatever. It's like, no, no oh no. Something like that. I, dude, that was one of the... F- dude, like... We burst out laughing. Burst out laughing. Not many people were, though. It was I, just I, me and you, I think. Uh, dude, I wanna, so funny. I want to add, like, for Dotson's character. What works with it is that it kind of portrays him a lot more like he is in the second novel, as well as a bit of the first, where he's this guy that, you know, you think he's like, whatever, he's this is like dork whatever but he has that dark side and that's where like he lets out his anger he freaks out and he makes these rash decisions like you saw like without even thinking he just went to shut off the power sure. for the um, the transport for uh, Grant and Sattler when he's shaking like, uh, uh, he's like yeah. freaking out like he's literally in a rage and I like that because in the book Dotson was always a little cartoony with how mm-hmm. he was portrayed and with this they ran with it rather than try to stray away from it and they wrote that fine line of like a threat versus not a threat but it works in that favor of being a threat because if you perceive this guy as not a threat that's going to be bad for you and i think that that's exemplified because he nearly killed grant sattler and and Maisie lockwood yeah like for like for me he also while he is a legacy character he does feel uh somewhat like a new addition to this franchise because he's just so different and in the first film that little small role was barely anything yeah also, I'm gonna mention. I kind of feel like I wish there was more of him. Like he wasn't in it. As yeah, much well, as that's I wanted. that's why I feel like the locust subplot, while uh, compelling conceptually, it just felt very underdeveloped for me. And it felt like while the, the the movie was going on for too long, it was lingering on on moments and scenes that weren't all that interesting. I I started feeling like it was very very boring. And I think a lot of it had to do also with. The, the the jam packing of so many new characters who mm-hmm. ultimately do nothing interesting. This movie is so stuffed with characters. No one really has moments to shine. Like um, I would disagree because I would I, say I would say Dewanda Weiss. Yeah, her character had her moments, and she became a sort of almost kind of instantly beloved character. But to build off Matthew's points, like at the third act, there's just so many characters in one area. It's like there's so many characters it's enough to populate like a small island like yes. it's just there's so many people that's kind of like okay uh, do we really need everyone in the third act right now like you know yeah it just it would have been a good opportunity to maybe kill off some people maybe elevate some stakes i don't know anything but there's just so many supporting characters um i just i i, I could not care less about any of them and even uh dewanda weiss's character yeah mm-hmm. kayla watch i i really liked her character i really liked yeah. her for myself like i i felt like you know she she does go through a little bit of, uh, a little bit of an arc but i do feel like even that's kind of rushed uh, through you know it's, it's a bit of the han solo arc but even yeah. then to be fair yeah. it is kind of a compelling arc because it's one of the, it's easily the the best i guess out of all the the new characters for sure oh 100%. i was gonna say even like because we kind of sort of skimmed over 
plot A of this movie is that Maisie Lockwood is basically kidnapped because yeah. she is a clone, and there's something special about She's her. Kidnapped genetic. by a guy who looks like Jared Leto at a point. <laughs> I mean, that's that's <laughs> you know, more. Maybe she had, maybe she has some Morbius fever, and they really gotta like spread that across the and, nation. And um, you know, her genetics are special, and it's something that Doctor Wu believes holds the key to stopping the locusts, and so. She gets kidnapped, obviously. The thing is with DeWanda Weiss's character, you see that she saw this kidnapping sort of take place, this almost trafficking practically. And you could tell it shook her, but she's like, this is the business, whatever. And then as soon as she saw Claire, because, you know, Claire's like, I'm her mother. I'm her mother, you know. Yeah. You could tell that instantly struck a chord with her and that she was trying to fight this, trying to be like, no, this is the business. I can't do anything. And then she just decided, no, I'm going to help these I, people. And again, that was in the best third of the movie that was like was near the say, beginning you know sort of speaking of bd wong mm. <laughs> the way he gets redeemed at the end is so like where did this come from it's like i know guys i disappeared like for he, a lot of the movie but i'm here I'm no, but guys, like, he shadows. literally steps out of the shadows it's like hey guys i'm still in this movie I'm still in this movie i feel like there's definitely redeemed. a bit of an arc missing there because like you have that sort of thing where he's like he's seen that he's gone too far with these yeah. locusts but and he's like okay this i have to stop this before i destroy the world and so it's a very minimal character arc and it's exactly. like it could have that I think if you had more of Dr. Wu contemplating pontificating like on this sort of locust thing I think that would have maybe elevated the locust because, plot a bit more because for let's you. not forget in the past two movies Dr. Wu was basically like one of the villains you know I wouldn't say he's a villain he's He's but too he, proud because he he got blinded by his own ambition mm -hmm. and he wasn't doing downright evil things. He was doing what essentially he was told. And when he um, when he was shown like the error of his ways, he kind of brushed it off in the name of progress. Yeah. You know, because but, I, I kind of like bringing up ethical dilemmas on the show. <laughs> <laughs> the first Jurassic World. I, I, we OK, so we rewatched all of the um, all of the Jurassic Park films. Except for you. You didn't watch three because you had to go see Top Gun Maverick that night. It was Jurassic Park 3 or Top Gun Maverick. Guys, Top Gun Maverick, we're going to cover it somehow on the show. But Top Gun Maverick, <laughs> I swear, is one of the best movies I think I've seen in the last 10 years. Okay, I but, genuinely um, think it's a masterpiece. Did it Did it have um, homoerotic undertones? Uh, not really. Not then this it one. sucks. Never mind. All right. That's why I stayed <laughs> Sorry, home guys. and watched Jurassic Park 3. Exactly. <laughs> but, Billy uh, and Grant, that's your ship right there. <laughs> um, but in Jurassic World, like, there's some really, really great conversations between dr Wu and uh, some other characters uh, like, like masrani masrani like or played by Irfan khan and uh, what about the, the great the great Irfan khan rest in peace uh, <laughs> right. legend but um, that's actually again mirrored from the novel yeah but see to me in jurassic world and why i think it's a very underrated movie there are really compelling scenes like that where there's some great dialogue there's some great banter and it really makes you think about the the ethics of what they're doing in mm -hmm. this movie when you have those scenes I just feel like they're entirely expositional and uh, very boring and uninteresting. I yeah. I don't know if I'm I'm not I don't really agree, but I also don't disagree. Sure. However, I, I, I disagree. Think, I think what the thing is <laughs> that disagree. with Jurassic World and even Fallen Kingdom to a degree, it introduces this ethical dilemma, kind of gives you both sides, and allows kind of it to. To stew in the audience's mind before playing it out and so with dominion it kind of just comes right out of the gate with this is bad this is unethical and so there's not enough of that sort of gray area right. where it lets the audience think about it but again that's also inherent to the plot where it's like 
how can you really justify causing a famine in order to get more profits? Well, that's the thing. Like uh, for me, while Campbell Scott was a very, very welcome addition, I felt like his character would have been again way more compelling if he would have had um, kind of motivation that I could get behind. He just ends up coming across at the end of the day as just this like money dickhead, <laughs> like just this totally like you know just evil like and i hate that but here's the, the thing. man that's loves ex- money <laughs> that's exactly how he was in the book he was well, just straight up evil fine but like you gotta you gotta find a way to kind of counteract that maybe through again maybe through dr Wu of like having their experimentations um still sort of be for the benefit of mankind from one perspective but also could be very very detrimental to um, society well, in another way. Again, that's so, why they had the pharmaceutical thing. Yeah. It but just, it's not tied to the locust thing. Yeah. That's it, the thing. That pharmaceutical thing that you're even talking about is so underdeveloped. It's like, well, it, one it's line. It's completely underdeveloped. It's, it's not meant to be developed, though, because that's sort of like. No, but that, that's, so then don't that's, bring it up. No, because yeah. that's the guise of Biosyn. Biosyn is all like, we're doing good for the planet. We're introducing Wink. these. But if, see, if they actually were doing good for the planet and not secretly being this evil freaking corporation who's just like mustache twirling, money counting, you know. I just, it would have, again, at the end of the day, just been way more compelling for me and way more focused. I mean, we had that though in the beginning. We, we, sh- uh, we They told us like Biosyn is on the fronts of developing these cures, the pharmaceuticals, like they're using the dinosaurs to explain it. But it's just that. It's messy. Like, it's just messy. It's one line. I, like, I, don't know <laughs> if it, I don't know if it's messy. I would say more that it's, it needed maybe that one or two extra lines to sort of just really hammer it home before we get to sort of actually they're evil. I kind of also found the plot a, a I don't want to say confusing, but it was a little bit like hard to get into a bit. Their their whole it's, plan it's, and it's a bit messy. It was. A, I have to rewatch the movie. I've only yeah, seen it I, the one definitely. Time. Paula really wants to rewatch this. The movie thing with this movie, definitely, I would agree, is it's very dense. It's There's dense. a lot of stuff mm-hmm. I even missed out on that I'm seeing other fans talk about, and it's like, okay, maybe I should really rewatch. But, this but this movie. thing you know, is, the T Rex was in the third act, right? <laughs> but it's not. It's not a movie that you know. There are dense movies like. Um, Blade Runner 2049. How did you know I was going to say that? Wow, I just guessed. Yeah. But anyway, there's movies like, you know, uh, let's say, I don't know, another Denis Villeneuve film like Enemy, Dune. let's say. <laughs> D- no. <laughs> Enemy, let's say, right? Where, you know, you watch that and you're like, damn, that's dense. Like, that's very, very complex. There's a lot of like really, really intense themes. I want to go Spiders. back and watch that. Even for people who like were really confused or really didn't like it, there's still something interesting to latch on to for a second viewing. Mm-hmm. With this movie, I'm kind of just dreading, like I said, the experience of needing to rewatch this because it's just so goddamn... What's the actual runtime? It's freaking long. Two like, hours and a half. It, yeah, this movie least. felt like 2.45, 3 almost. I felt like you I was know? watching the Snyder Cut. I, I felt like the Batman was way better paced than this movie. Uh, no, yeah. That Batman movie's like way longer. Like it ended three times right at the end. It was really, really like jarring. Yeah. Oh, he wasn't on the review no. it's true <laughs> no yeah yeah you we thought you were dead yeah that's right <laughs> yeah but you know crime alley it's not fun no but no, i'm gonna fun. i have to take matthew's side on this mm. the batman is a three-hour movie and it feels a lot shorter than this movie somehow to me i remember watching it, i'm like whoa okay this feels like batman felt quick maybe on the second time i would watch it, it was a, it felt to be longer but this one it just i felt it the first time i know for know. me it really started feeling quick and then it ended and then it ended and then it ended <laughs> But, like, for me, like, Avengers Endgame is a kind of, like, big blockbuster, like, capper film to really ride home on the franchise, make it long, make it compelling, emotionally uh, engaging throughout the whole thing, and make it feel like it was a breeze. This movie is the opposite for me. For me, I really didn't feel it up until sort of, honestly, the third act. That's when I started to feel the runtime, when they were basically escaping the, the Giga. 
Mm-hmm. That's when I started to feel it. Yeah. But even then, for me, it didn't take me out of the movie. It's just made me want to be like, uh, how much left is there? Not in the sense of like, I want it to be over, but it's like, I'm curious just how all this is going to be wrapped up. Is it going to be rushed through or is it not? And then it fumbled the bag. I don't know. Okay, speaking of the Giga, let's maybe let's talk about some really cool dinosaurs. The Therizinosaurus. Is that the blind one? Yeah. With the okay. claw, with the hands with like that this. One, <laughs> that, that one was probably was, the best dinosaur moment. It was yeah. very, very cool. It had this really intense scene where it was using basically echolocation to mm. like sort of... Like a bat. S- scope out like a its surroundings. Like a bat. And then just like bitch slap that fucking deer. <laughs> it did. Because actually, did you know that herbivores are actually incredibly territorial? Like, I think more so than carnivores. Kind of like dogs. And it's like, and it's very much in line to what it probably would have done. Yeah. And it's cool that it got this ability, which is something that, you know, the first Jurassic Park really kind of hammered home was that these animals, because we could only study so much in the rocks that they could also have these quirks to them, like Dilophosaurus. It had the frills, and I, I find that really cool. What do you what do you think of the Atrociraptors? Uh, again, they were in my favorite sequence, sequence of the movie. I thought their inclusion in the movie capitalized, again, the most on the idea that dinosaurs are living among us <laughs> in the world. And the second and third act of the film, uh, you know, don't show us that. We're actually in this enclosed location, and we're not actually seeing the benefits of having dinosaurs live among us. So even it also follows up on the Fallen Kingdom plot with the Indoraptor and the militarized dinosaurs. Too. Yeah. Yeah. So that to it, me, like it gave it a really cool, like not kind of conclusion, but like, dude, like second step. paid it off. I was like, yeah. yo, I'm genuinely afraid for Chris Pratt right now. Like these things are not stopping, dude. Yeah, I was they're like, relentless. They're relentless. I love that. That's that. I wanted the whole movie to be this like maybe not, I don't want the whole movie to be exactly this but again uh, be more like that more like that this whole to globe, that feeling this globe trotting adventure maybe all across Europe maybe in in the United States as well where we just see dinosaurs living among us um, and you know tearing up some shit you know what did you did you also notice something about the designs they were had feathers no they had a uh, they were legacy designs the lead Atrociraptor was colored exactly like the Jurassic Park 3 female raptor. One of them was colored exactly like the Lost World male tig- uh, male raptor. Cool. You know, one of them was the Jurassic Park 1 raptor. And although this is not said at all throughout the movie, but in the viral marketing, they actually implied that they took genes from those animals and put them into those dinosaurs to give them those colorations. I'm not even going to pretend like I could tell the difference between all three of them, except that the third one had feathers in it, and so that's it. it had quills. <laughs> so what you're trying yeah, to say... <laughs> what you're trying to say is... They're not hybrids. We have yet another glub shittle moment. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> deep glub cut shittle. glub shittle. That's a real one. It's deep cut. Yeah. Glub shittle would have been putting those actual dinosaurs in there. And Max Rebo. And actually, speaking of raptors, what would you think of the feathered one? It was cool. Uh, I loved seeing, uh, I turned to Paolo uh, when it came on screen. I'm like, hey, is that technically like an accurate one? And uh, and Paolo was like, sort of. Uh, go ahead, maybe explain that. So basically, the way it looks is it's accurate enough because, you know, the feather placement is correct. The hands are in the correct position. And there's enough feather coverings to be serviceable. Mm. We could tell it's still very stylized because the face is very ugly. Paolo is our, uh, is our real life Alan Grant. Yeah, okay, I wish. No, but dude, you love like love dinosaurs. You're obsessed with these movies. Trust dude. me, there's a lot more qualified people to talk about this than me. What are you talking just, about? Now that we're talking about those feathered raptors, I just want to talk about how that scene is pretty good, but also kind of completely useless. 
It's just like, there to sort of insert there that to like show feathered to show dinosaur. one cool dinosaur, and then like that's it. Like it's just an obstacle, yeah. And then it doesn't really pay off anything. I don't know. I just I felt like it was just like we need another action scene. Throw that in. Yeah. You know. And then you know we got to see the Dreadnoughtus, which is I believe one of the most one of the biggest dinosaurs that's I ever have existed. No clue what we were talking about. It's that long uh, long neck that was in the water. A few shots. I literally don't, I don't remember. remember. I am so sorry. Oh, wait. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Was saw- it the one uh, in the tree when Bryce Dallas Howard was No, in? that's the first film, Gravis. <laughs> no, 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 no. That, what? Uh, I know what you're talking about. That's Therizinosaurus. <laughs> okay. Um, oh, yeah, that's the blind one. It's the long... That was yeah, the blind one? Yeah, I don't remember. The lo- uh, it's in a few like lake shots and everything. Like You'll see it when uh, we put this episode out. <laughs> but uh, So yeah, that was one of them. It had a you know pretty cool design. Um, then he's got to see Iguanodon in the background, Morris Intrepidus. Dimetrodon. Dimetrodon. Oh, my I, that God. That actually, no. That I know. Dimetrodon was a very Dimetrodon. welcome addition. Like, You're talking about the cave scene? Yeah, exactly. I, I wasn't crazy about that cave scene. I thought it could have been directed I thought a bit it better. I, I enjoyed it. I, it was because one of the better action scenes for me. tense, yeah. and it featured actually two deep-cut uh, Jurassic Park toy references yeah. that I didn't even catch. So, like, okay, here, we're going to really – I'm going to wrap this up really quick. Mm. For Dimetrodon, on the regular toy, it came with this trading card. And on the trading card, you see the Dimetrodon, like, you know, roar. And then you see Alan Grant falling backwards as if afraid of it. In the movie, when he sees the Dimetrodon from, you know, showing the light, oh. it roars right in his face and he falls backwards. Wait, another, Next, yet another glove shuttle moment. <laughs> Next, there's another. <laughs> These are too deep cut. <laughs> then there's the, you know, the Dimetrodon. It's being wrangled by Dr. Sattler, <laughs> by Dr. Grant, and by Lex murphy so you know lex from the first movie sure no but in this one it was they weren't wrangled by like dr grant ellie sattler and Maisie lockwood but rather they were fighting them like or like avoiding them and so it's also like another kind of reference to that card which is really cool and honestly even the design itself it's very cool for me the best thing to come out of that um sequence is the really really funny combination uh, moment? Yeah, that, that was pure. That's honestly genuine Malcolm. Pure Ian funny. Malcolm, pure gold. Because uh, he gold, would gold, point yeah. out that it's like, why do you expect me to know this? Because I'm a mathematician. There's, there's, there's so literally many thousands. He, he says like, there's like a thousand combinations. What am I gonna do? And then he actually gets like, huh, that worked. <laughs> no, he didn't get it. The <laughs> no, I don't know. We know. Yeah, thinks he got it. And he goes, oh, oh yeah. that uh, worked. <laughs> that was such a great moment. It's, it's, it's funny. It's so great. again, moments like like that with Goldblum, uh, Goldblum, uh, <laughs> sprinkled throughout the movie are just wonderful. For me, and I, I will say I do like how they handled the original characters just because one it felt like them naturally progressed like as an af- through uh, after the 90s so Dr. Grant he became more of like you know a recluse like he was very much to himself like a loner type I like that I, I definitely didn't dislike and what no, they did with no, any no, of the originals. I'm I just, no, yeah. no, I know. I just want to finish it. Yeah, yeah, Dr. Course, Sattler course. basically became that cool mom, you know, where it's like <laughs> she, she knows all the lingo, but she's, you know, sounds like not cringy, but like. I slid into like, my DMs. I yeah, it's like, she's say, like very much like the they, mom. I was just going to say, they made Laura Dern say she <laughs> slid into my DMs. <laughs> That's pretty funny. It's and really then, funny. Then you had, you know, Dr. Malcolm, <laughs> who was very much like, he's the older, more grizzled version of what we saw in the Lost World. Like, he's just like, completely cynical he's out of it and then he's like yeah you know what things literally just got worse we're all gonna die eventually i'm just gonna live life i like his class lecture uh, yeah. yeah speech that was really good no i love i love the introduction uh to every uh, legacy character i thought that was wonderful i just felt like the direction that they went with them over the course of the film really started to kind of like you know 
uh, drag on and not go anywhere ultimately. That's I, I, I think it went somewhere with Dr. Sattler and Dr. Grant beyond just putting finally Kiss. putting them together. <laughs> wow. But also just like Grant finally kind of came out of his shell. Yeah. He finally sure. stopped being a loner and it's like, I got to admit who I am or uh, and how I feel or else I'm just going to end up being alone forever. I just wish mm. it hit me more in the feels. You know, it really didn't at yeah. all. At it, all. For me, a lot of, um, I just want to say a lot of the ideas are there. But just the execution is not as yes. perfect as I wanted it to be. Yes. You Maybe, know? look, because for me, I guess I'm blinded by the fact that I'm just so attached to these characters. And I, not that I see in between the lines, because maybe those lines don't even exist. But for me, it's just that I genuinely felt it and I genuinely, like, it, it hit me here genuinely. No, but I 100% understand you, because, like, let's be honest, when it comes to the Marvel movies, I'm always like that. It's like, oh, I understand this, 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 so I know. And it's like, I love almost everything about it. Yeah. So I get, that's more, for, like, for you, like, I'm going to be honest, I, I love the Jurassic movies, but I don't know them too well. Honestly, like, I would say even... <laughs> Bryce Dallas Howard was fantastic as Claire. I think as an arc throughout all three movies, I think it's a brilliant arc that she went on. She acted the hell yeah. out of this movie for me. Yeah, in this movie, the, I liked her arc in this movie, actually. like It was pretty good, like continuing it from the last one, mm -hmm. at least. So it's like it was consistent. I, I enjoyed that part. She's the highlight for me of this Agreed. trilogy. Agreed. Yeah. She's a, honestly, I think she's one of the more brilliant characters I, to come I'm out of this. I'm an incredible director as well. I'm very happy to see it's, that she's uh, taking after her father. In that sense. Yeah, yeah, it's um, like to me, for real, she's, she's better than Chris Pratt's character. Chris Pratt. I, I like him. But, I love you know, him. He's such a likable he's a, presence, he's, but... He's just a static character. Yeah, he exists, but he exists just to elevate Claire's character. And to be, like, yeah. you know, badass. To be yeah. Claire is really the main protagonist of this franchise. Yeah, no, she usually. is. Yeah, okay. 100%. So. And I just want to add, you know, for the side characters, I really did enjoy them. I liked Ramsey with his whole whistleblower thing and being the prodigy of Dotson and sort of yeah. ultimately betraying his sort of vision of who he wanted to be as in a Dotson 2.0. And I really did like Kayla because... Even though she had the Han Solo arc, I feel like she really acted the heck out of this role. And she became this character that's beloved. And I really do want to see more of her, like, sure. honestly speaking. No, for sure. She, I, I really enjoyed her character, like I said before. And now finally, I guess, you know, final thoughts and then rankings? Yeah, yeah, All totally. right, so final thoughts. Look, as a Jurassic fan, I genuinely appreciate a lot of the work that went into this. I think the story is compelling enough but could have used a little more development, especially in the, like, look, I love the locust plot. Maybe could have added a little more tweaking. The dinosaurs among us, <laughs> that could have used a little more tweaking. But ultimately, I'm satisfied. Like, if they, because, look, look, the ending is setting up that our characters' stories are done. There's a new future coming ahead of dinosaurs and humans. This is the direction the franchise is going to go. And I'm satisfied with that. I'm really happy about that. I'm excited about that. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, if they said we're kind of ending the movies here, I feel like as a fan, I would be like, it's not the perfect ending I wanted, but better than how we left it off with three, where it just killed the franchise for 14 years. <laughs> and it was better than Rise of Skywalker, so I'll give it yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. It miles ahead of Rise of Skywalker. At least. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't really know if this was a, a very great trilogy. Did <laughs> <laughs> um, you know. it just cut to black? <laughs> you know... Um, yeah, I just sorry it was guys. Serviceable. I don't know. I really really like the first one. Um, okay, you screw it. Let's just get right into rankings then, I guess. Yeah, honestly. Well, I mean, Anthony, do you want to say something before we get to no, rankings? Screw Anthony. Um, <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> not again. Yeah, I, I didn't talk too much during this episode. I feel like maybe I'm probably gonna hear it from a lot of people. But you know, I just I, I wish this movie had a bit more finality to it. It just it lacked the sense of finality, especially in the third act. One hundred percent. The final scene is kind of good, but comes out of nowhere where it's like. It's all about coexistence. Like we kind of forgot about that, but it's like it why is. wasn't the whole movie like this? You know, but yeah, sure. yeah. But overall, I I had a pretty decent time with it. I can't pretend like I hated myself watching this movie. There was good moments and whatnot. They wish it was better. Yes, could it have been worse? Much worse. You know, mm-hmm. they could have really botched it. <laughs> jumped the mosasaur, yeah, <laughs> for lack of a better word, on a lot of concepts, but they really didn't which I, I i genuinely appreciate it's not like with the rise of skywalker that where it kind of just upended all of eight and just decided to fuck up everything right we're not talking about that movie today yeah rankings rankings okay so uh this is gonna be extremely controversial but uh so for all six movies i'm gonna just say it the lost world at number one what no way yeah yeah wow. way I low-key agree with that. <laughs> yes! I low-key agree you. with Thank you. Okay, Thank go ahead. You. Go ahead. So yeah, lost. <laughs> Locust. I just caught that. Thank you. <laughs> lost World. Jurassic Park. Jurassic World because it genuinely holds a special place in my heart. Mm-hmm. Dominion. Fallen Kingdom. And Jurassic Park 3. And that's not to say I don't like Fallen Kingdom. I don't like 3. I love these movies a lot. Each one of them is special for me and I I love these movies a lot, and but they're only lower on the list based on pure enjoyment. Mm-hmm. What about you guys? Well, you know, it's kind of an impossible question for me. <laughs> <laughs> Throw back to our Moon Knight uh, MCU ranking. Look, um, The Lost World, we're going to do an episode on this movie one day. Oh, uh, yeah. We're going to have I like an underrated wait. movie segment, and we're going to cover that for like it's an been, hour. I think it's <laughs> over height. <laughs> three hours of me just talking about it. The and Lost World the and the, the first film I kind of love equally. I think The Lost World is one of the most underrated movies of all time. Again, it's gotten way too much stuff. hate. Just rank it has buddy. gotten way too much hate. It's the truth. Yes. So, Thank you. Uh, Lost World and the first film. Maybe if I had to give a slight edge to the first movie, I probably would just because it's a classic. But I really yeah. love to. Then I'm going to put... So, one, two. Uh, next is going to be Jurassic World. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Paolo. I think I'm going to have a very similar uh, ranking to Paolo, actually. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jurassic World. Um, I really love that movie uh, quite a bit. I think it's a uh, super entertaining summer blockbuster. It's exactly what it needs to be. Nothing more, nothing less. Um, yeah, love it. Then I would probably say, you know what? Honestly, when I watched Fallen Kingdom, I really, really disliked that movie a lot. Uh, upon rewatch. Uh, <laughs> and when he slept through the rewatch. Okay, okay, okay. On the rewatch, I was super dead-ass tired watching we, Fallen Kingdom. And I was Jurassic like, World, it was a double feature It was a double feature night, that night. Late, late I was like night. really tired. So I was, you know, dazing, uh, I was uh, dozing off in and out. But the parts uh, of the plot you caught. <laughs> but the parts of the plot uh, the plot that I caught, you know, it's it's a much tighter movie than Dominion. I can actually yeah. agree with that. It's a it's much, much tighter, tighter movie. Uh thematically it's more you know uh, cohesive consistent consistent those the plotting is more consistent like i said there's things in that movie that i disagree with on a creative level i'm not a fan of the whole cloning stuff i'm not crazy about uh the idea of you know uh, a bunch of like rich tycoon type characters like bidding on dinosaurs but at the same time million yeah in a, no, in a mansion 50 millions in, in a mansion cg model in a mansion but um you know upon rewatch it kind of didn't bother me as much so yeah i kind of think that falling kingdom is a better movie than dominion which then means that dominion might actually be my least favorite of this trilogy and that breaks my heart mm-hmm. um and then here's the thing with jurassic park 3 objectively is the movie very great no no not, no but, but it's some fun pe- as in hell. my opinion of course but 
I'm so entertained by Jurassic Park 3 and yeah. the movie's only an hour and a half. Like, I could put that movie on and just have a good time, it's you know? It's a perfect background movie. And, See, I, and I think, the, by the way, the animatronic stuff in that movie and just even the CGI holds up so freaking well. It's maybe the yeah. best of the original three I in terms of that stuff. I actually kind of disagree because with the Spinosaurus and I even love some the of the raptors, it's very stiff. I, I, lo- I thought it looked good, in my opinion. You I know? think Lost World actually has the best CG and animatronics. All right. Well, the story for another That's day. That's just like <laughs> exactly. your opinion, you know? man. <laughs> uh, but um, so I, I, I don't know if I'm going to give the edge to Jurassic Park 3. I'm going to feel horrible giving Dominion my lowest ranking of the six films. But if I'm being honest with myself, the movie is very uneven. At least Jurassic Park 3 is a consistent film. Like Fallen Kingdom, it's consistent. You might not like it, but... To me, Dominion is just a mixed bag. So I guess that's my ranking. Um, What about you, Anthony? Oh, finally. Okay. (laughs) So first, Jurassic Park, the first one, 1993. Second, The Lost World. Good. 1997, right? Yes. Yes. Third, and this is a big one, Fallen Kingdom. Whoa. Whoa. (laughs) Yes, Fallen Kingdom. Are you serious? I actually kind of like it more than all the Jurassic World movies. This movie is so visually, like, Nice to look at. It's, yes. It's yes, better to look at than all the other There's Jurassic such World amazing movies. imagery, even just with yeah. the Indoraptor alone. Exactly. But goddamn man, I hate, sorry, I don't want to interrupt you, but like, goddamn it, I hate, um, you know, inconsistent aspect ratios in a franchise. Oh, yeah. It bothers the hell out of me how that's the only one, uh, you know, uh, shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, dude, sure. Anyway, whatever. But then next, it's Jurassic World, mm-hmm. which, you know, we all, we spoke about that. And next is... Dominion. Jurassic Park 3. Whoa. Whoa. Dominion guys, is getting shot on, dude. Dominion, I didn't even like, look, we did talk bad about it a lot, but like basically all the reasons he said it's last for me. I don't hate the movie, like, but it's still last for me. So Okay, that's yeah. fair. That's, that's fair. it. That's all. That's my ranking. And so, you know, before we wrap up, it's been teased that we're getting an extended cut for this movie. Yes. What do you think about that? Uh, well, I said it was too long and I stand by it. It's too long. <laughs> the movie Stop is making too long. it longer. L- listen, here's the thing. I think let's say uh, with the upcoming extended cut of Spider-Man No Way Home, I feel like a lot of those deleted scenes are actually going to be uh, uh, greatly beneficial for that movie, mm-hmm. even though it was already fantastic. I really believe that the deleted scenes uh, that are going to be added back into this movie aren't really going to change my opinions that much it's going to make it better yes but not as as better as as, not as good as i really want it to be the thing is it's going to help but well potentially because we don't know what's going to happen right we don't even know what's going to happen yeah it could potentially clean up the story a bit more like maybe we're going to get more of that locust stuff that's going to be more compelling for you we're going to get maybe the more giga stuff and rec stuff that's going to help you know basically finish the story for that whole like apex predator struggle yeah maybe there's gonna be different stuff you'd never know but i think genuinely d- despite loving this movie i think the extended cut is gonna greatly benefit i'm it. hoping it makes it better and not worse you know yeah well it definitely won't make it worse <laughs> you never know i, I hope it's so. more like at the very best i hope it's like a Zack snyder type deal yeah and exactly at the very worst yes at the very worst i th- i hope it's like a Batman v Superman where it's like it's still an imperfect movie but at least it's more cohesive yes more cohesive yeah Yeah, that definitely helped that movie for sure that extended cut what a big difference and I think this is the perfect place to wrap up yeah that's the show that's the show show. so um, thank you very much for watching and listening like I I love talking about Jurassic Park I'm probably going to talk about it a lot more and so being able to talk about it on the show with this new movie was an absolute blast for me what about you guys 
Uh, I had a good time. This was a fun. This was yeah. fun for me. Yeah. <laughs> Movies mid. Uh, Movies a little mid, but I enjoyed this talk. It was a good time. Don't worry. I'm going to beat you guys outside afterwards. Anyway. <laughs> guys, do not forget to support your local comic book stores. 